Inner Voice. A heartfelt chat with Dr. Fujian. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Inner Voice podcast, a heartfelt chat with me, Dr. Fujian Zane. I'm a psychotherapist, an author, and the originator of the awareness integration theory. It is so great to be with you today. So um, first, let me tell you about the series of the books uh, about awareness integration theory, which some of you consistently call me and ask me about it. So um, if you're interested in self-help, obviously Life Reset is the best uh, book that is, we've done a lot of different um, series of um research on them. And we found that even by just journaling the Life Reset book, just going through it and journaling, um, people have found almost 68% reducing in their um, symptoms of depression and sadness and anger and raise their self-esteem and reduce their anxiety. For all of you who are therapists or life coaches or clinicians and in a helping field that want to learn awareness integration therapy to be able to work with your clientele, uh, the awareness integration therapy book, the clear the past um, and um, creating an amazing future and living in the present and creating a fulfilled life is yours. And you can go through chapter by chapter, learning all the six phases of the awareness integration theory and how to utilize them every day with your clients. And then the latest one, Intentional Parenting, which I wrote with uh, two of my wonderful colleagues, Dr. Nicole Jafari and Eileen Manukian, uh, where um, we went through every chapter from infancy to adulthood and gave you a chapter for each phases of life with opening it to all of the developmental stages and how awareness integration theory works well with um, how to create an emotionally regulated and sound um, children. And so all the parents, grandparents, uh, people who take care of kids, teachers, all of you can really, really get to know this model and how it can work for you. You can get all of those in uh, my websites, Amazon, fujanzane.com, any of those. They're yours if you are a therapist or a coach and would like to get certified uh, with the awareness integration theory, because you like to not only um, offer that to your clients, but you also want to be a part of uh, an amazing team that are growing and they're going, um, there are clinicians and life coaches across the world for the Fujian app. I think that this is your chance. So let me know. I'd love to hear from you because I want to, uh, to grow our group and um, be all over the world in this episode. I chat with Tamara Sanderson. She is the co-founder of Remote Works, an organizational design and consulting firm with a mission to liberate teams from the nine to five and teach them how to do their best work anytime, anywhere. Um, Tamara and Allie Green have spent a combined two decades in distributed workplaces. Allie Green as the former director of people operations at DuckDuckGo and uh, Tamara Sanderson as the director of strategic partnerships and corporate development at um, Automatic and um, throughout their joint career history that worked in varied environments, including big tech like Google, uh, different types of startups like Oyster and Living Social, creative agencies like IDO and um, Undertone and management consulting and uh, private equi equity like Oliver Wyman and Onyx Group. So we're going to be talking about their latest book, Remote Works. It really does. I love it. Um, Managing for Freedom, Flexibility, and Focus. The name of their book is Remote Works, Managing for Freedom, Flexibility, and Focus. Um, it's like the ultimate playbook for managing remote teams. So this book is great if you are a person who wants to read it because it works for you and it has a lot of great exercises and you know different paths and tools to teach you how to make the best of it at home um, or remotely if you're working. And it is a great tool for um, human resources or managing teams to take this book, look at it, grow with it, and kind of implement it. And you can get the book at remote, remote work, 
Remote Works Book. Remote Works Book. I'll say that three times. Remote Works Book dot com or Amazon or anywhere else that you like. So um, I had an amazing conversation with her and I think you will enjoy it as much as I have. Please subscribe to this podcast and my YouTube channel and connect with me through my website, fujanzane.com or any of the social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, any of those. And um, I'd love to hear from you and what topics you're most interested in and what you get excited about. So without further ado, here's Tamara Sanderson. Eliminate stress, reduce anxiety, and decrease depression with the Fujian app. Dr. Fujian Zane's awareness integration theory has helped thousands like you get incredible life-changing results. Download the Fujian app today. Hello, Tamara Sanderson. It is so nice to have you with us. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. So you wrote about my favorite topic, which is remote working and doing everything remote. And you wrote the book with your co-author, Allie Green. Yes. Uh, remote Works, Managing for Freedom, flexibility and focus. It is so needed because I think this adaptability to how to do this, not only for someone, for me, for example, which I'm a um, one person who can be in the office or I can be here. So my, my clientele can move with me wherever, but when we're also talking about a whole organization attempting to shift and move from an office culture to a remote culture, there are so many things to consider and it's all new for us. So good timing. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I'm glad that remote work is one of your favorite topics. Um, I think there's a lot of fatigue out there in the world right now. There's a lot of listicles. People have been on Zoom. Um, but I think when you think about it fundamentally, everything is shifting when it comes to work. And after sleep, work is the number two way that we spend our lives. Uh, there's been some research that if you took all the cumulative hours that we spend, all of the hours we spend at work would be 13.2 years. And so we have a huge opportunity to shift how we spend our lives. And so that's why I get really excited about remote work. It's not because I I don't know, love Asana. I do. Asana's great, but it's not because I like specific tools or I love being on Zoom all the time. I just think that you are able to totally reconstruct your days and redesign your days and make life and work a lot more fulfilling. Yes. Well, there's there's the pros and the cons. Obviously, at the time of the COVID, I could see that because there were no other choices, then um, the, it was it was hard to see, you know, the, the kids had to be at, at, in their room going through school and two people, for example, who were working from the same house needed space. And I think that when you took the choice away, um, then it was much harder for people to adapt to this concept of everybody being remote. But now that the, there is a choice, whether uh, you can go and work at an office or you can choose to do this at home. And then what are the ways, what are the ways that a person can create an adaptability, whether it's their spatial space at home while they're doing it, the hours that they spend, you know, when you're, when you're in an office, you get, you get good distracted and maybe like, you know, negative distraction, but the good distractions are sometimes that you're, sitting there for three hours doing something and somebody says, Hey, do you want a coffee? And you're like, Oh, I, I should think about my body or I should, yeah, I should go somewhere and shift your, you know, balance your day. And sometimes when you're home, you're just kind of like lose it. And, you know, you're just consistently sitting or with, you know, also let's look at the companies that have to balance this conversation about how do they communicate now? Cause it's different. You know, you walk into somebody's office and you just, start talking to them about matters. And then this way, no, you have to actually set up appointments. It's a completely different culture. 
Yeah. Yeah. It is completely different. So sometimes when I think about the pandemic and people that shifted overnight to remote working, imagine if you were told um, you have to move your entire house to another state tomorrow. How do you think that would go? You would be like throwing everything in a, a truck. You'd be like really glad that something worked. Um, and I think it's the same thing with remote work. You're completely shifting how you work. And if you've just done it overnight, it, there's going to be a lot of hiccups that come with it. And the more intentional you can be, the better remote work becomes. Yes. So which one should we take first? Should we take that? Uh, does your remote work training kind of, because uh, what when I was uh, talking to you, you said, you know, instead of taking trainings after trainings after trainings, this book, Remote Works, uh, really gives you a lot of that training. So take us through the training, please. Yeah. <laughs> so I think everything begins with a mindset shift. So we talk a lot in the behavior shift. So I think you were mentioning that, you know, in a traditional office, somebody comes and asks you for coffee. You know, when you go to a meeting room, you present on a meeting. When you go to your desk, you start typing. You go to the water cooler, you get some gossip and you know what happens in different places. Because as humans, uh, we are very set up to understand different structures. I used to be a designer at IDEO. So I love things like wayfinding and, you know, physical design and all of that. But when you are compressed to a screen, you don't always have those cues anymore. And so everything kind of seemed flat. You don't know where everything is. You don't know what everything is going on. And so you have to kind of essentially set up a digital house on your computer so that you can start understanding where everything lives and within that get into a remote state of mind. And so um, when we suggest that people get into a remote state of mind, it's really essentially like understanding your values and um, questioning some of the status quo. So we use a journalistic framework called the five W's and one H. And we suggest that people go through that framework to start thinking about what's really shifted with remote work. Um, so that's who, what, when, where, why, and how. And when you start thinking about that, then you start kind of unpacking and unlocking what's really changed with remote work. Um, we have a really fun kind of infographic that we go through. I'm gonna bring it up really quick. Um, but just start thinking about like different things that change. So you can go then, you know, we used to be very like geographically dependent for recruitment. And now you can hire the best talent anywhere in the world. And so with something like that, if you were in HR or your team manager, you can start asking questions like, um, how can I expand my hiring strategy to be beyond the borders that I used to? Why do I hire within a 20 mile radius of, of physical office when I could hire essentially anybody in the world, depending on if you have the right kind of visa and uh, tax requirements. Um, you know, I think a lot of things with hours, then everything was restricted in a typical kind of business environment from Monday to Friday, nine to five. Um, now you can work with like flexible hours. You can work when it's best for you. And so with that, the question then starts becoming, when do you do your best work? Not, I'm gonna be working from nine to five in an office. Uh, that nine to five schedule was often based on the fact that you had to commute from one place to the other, and it wouldn't make sense to commute back and forth all day. Um, but the human brain is actually not meant to work eight hours straight. It's like not actually possible. Um, from different research that I've seen in psychology, most people can focus for about seven to 10 minutes at a time, and our mind wanders 30% of the time. So the idea that we have hour long Zoom meetings. Um, you know, if somebody's watching this right now, it's okay if your mind wanders 30% of the time. It's just so natural. And so I think with remote work, you're actually starting to like be able to work around your biology and not work against your biology. Very much. And I have, um, uh, when I wanted to, I moved from one location to another and um, my offices were set. So when I remember, I used to ask my clients, you know, would you possibly think about doing online because I'm moving my home very far? And they were all like, no, 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 you've got to be here. So it was interesting how it shifted because, and I said, fine, you know, I used to go, come back and go and sometimes drive like three hours a day, just go to my office and I would do back-to-back -back clients in order to accommodate my clients. The COVID happened. And they all automatically had to shift. And it was interesting that the same things that they were, they were resisting at the beginning, um, it became such a part of 
the way it is that after a while they were like, oh, I actually prefer to do this online. And sometimes they would I have to drive all this way now to come to my office. Now, there are some people who have this experience of wanting to be face to face. And I think there's a uh, there's a different feel to it when you're sitting with someone in the same room. And, uh, you know, those are a lot of great um, benefits of being together. But you absolutely right that there when you're looking at a bigger picture, there's also so much more benefit to the remote work that it's happening. One of the things is, and I see even see my office is five minutes from here, but I look forward to the days that I get to work from home versus go to the office. And this kind of openness where my dog is everywhere, then I run between clients to my kitchen. And then my husband comes out of his room where his office room, and we kind of chit chat a little bit. And then he goes, so this kind of flow that happens it's really, really um, exciting for me. And it re has really worked. Um, but I also get that there are other people who get distracted from being home or their setup is not as uh, maybe comfortable. Um, and what do you suggest to the group that need to really looking at, look at their spatial um, circumstances? Yeah. So um, in our book, we actually recommend this concept called energy tracking. And so uh, I think there's a million ways to do remote work. There's a million ways to set up your office space. A lot of it is actually knowing yourself. So what we recommend is pretend that you're, I guess, a scientist or an investigator or a reporter or something like that, and take a spreadsheet and start tracking how your energy shifts throughout the day. So if you can take three to five notes and it can be a mix of work and personal, especially with remote, cause you can, you know, as you mentioned, uh, hang out with your dog or get a coffee or see your partner during the middle of the day. Um, but if you start tracking that and you can see what boosts your energy and what drains your energy. So that might be specific times of the day. Uh, we inter interviewed this great professor um, at Berkeley School, and she mentioned to us that there's a lot of stuff on biological chronotypes. And there's usually three different ones. Some people are AM shifted, some are PM shifted, and some are biphasic. And so there's always this concept. Every time I read anything about productivity, people are always like, oh, I wake up at 5 a.m. and I do this whole routine and I'm such a go-getter in the morning. And I've always felt so ashamed of myself because I am not by any stretch of the like imagination an AM person. I've tried it so many times. Um, and what I realized is actually like, I'm not physically wired that way. I am very much PM shifted. And so that's one thing you might want to track in, in an energy tracker, like, are you a morning person? Do you actually get a kick of energy at night? And maybe you should start doing your work around that. You might notice that you do a lot better with solo. You might do better um, when you're kind of parallel playing. So we always talk about this concept that traditionally Gallup always said, you need to have a friend at work. And I think going forward, you really just need a friend to work with. And so I don't know if you've ever seen like three or four year olds play. I went to my nephew Hudson's birthday party when he turned three. And all I saw were these like three year olds playing the same thing, but not really interacting with each other unless they were siblings. And so Hudson would have like one dinosaur and another kid would have another dinosaur and they would do like movements, but they weren't totally interacting. And I think there's a lot of value in integrating that into remote work world. So you can work with somebody that's, uh owns their own yoga business, somebody that might do recruitment, somebody that might do a totally different job than you, but there's no reason you can't just both go to the same cafe, bring your laptop. And then when you're wanting to have a chat or take a little break, you get a coffee and you have a casual conversation. So that's something we recommend. And so within an energy tracker, you might want to say, oh, I got so much energy when I was working with someone, or I got really drained of energy when I had to be on Zoom calls. I should not be doing those at this time when I have energy you know, um, lull throughout the day. And so once you have all that information, you can start seeing themes. And once you see those themes, you can actually reconstruct your work world to start taking advantage of your natural rhythms. Beautiful. Um, you were talking about um, having a, people. I I think that the what they've done also with some of these apps with exercises um, is the same, right? Like each person is uh, doing their exercises at home with Peloton or something, but they're connecting at the same time and having even competition or even gaming industry has done a lot of this while they do that. Um, even remotely, they found a friend where they're working with. So you don't feel 
uh, alone, sitting at home and uh, uh, away from people, you are part of the the group, although you're all kind of what you say working side by side, which is a little bit also different than the uh, the example you said, which I love what you just said is um, we could do our own thing and then share uh, moments in between together. And I know students do that a lot, right? Like students, um, uh, they have different classes, but they will go to student uh, student union or something. They study together, even different things, but it's in a social setting when they're doing that. Yeah, I love that you bring that up because we talk a lot about the difference between high school and college when it comes to traditional work and remote work. So I think the traditional nine to five I don't know if you've ever heard like Dolly Parton's song, like the nine to five. So I always think of that. And like, I just saw the video recently and it has like great, like seventies clothes, all of that, or early eighties. Um, but anyways, I think of traditional work as being a lot like high school. It's butts in seats. You go from one point to the next point. You have somebody watching and supervising you. There's so much structure. You go to lunch at a very specific time. There's a lot put on um, FaceTime and you kind of measure by proximity. And then for people that do go to university, it actually completely shifts and it feels a lot more like remote work. Uh, you have a lot more autonomy. You have a professor that essentially says like, here's my expectations of you. Here's the syllabus. You can do it at your own time, at your own pace, but come show up two times a week. Make sure that you get these papers in. I have some tutorials that are open. And then you go from there and you you might study with your friends. Uh, I remember studying a lot at like IHOP with people that were in totally different majors than I was. Um, I would take breaks. I would go get coffee. I would study like after going to the gym at midnight. Uh, and that's how I worked best. And I can't imagine if I were in college and my professors were calling me and being like, hey, Tam, it's 9 a.m. Are you studying right now? Hey, Tam, it's 10 a.m. Have you done this now? Hey, have you been sitting for eight hours? Because that's what we expect of you. And that's so weird that we go from this university environment with so much freedom and flexibility that's given to people that are 18 to 22. And then when people are paid, I guess, and in, in the traditional workforce, you're kind of expected to go back to this teenage model. And so with remote work, there's a lot of fear of losing control and people not being attentive or doing things correctly. But we do have the capacity. We're all adults. And I think it's really important to remember that we're adults, that you can trust adults. A lot of the people that work for you have their own families. They have children. They have all these obligations. They have a mortgage and a house, and they can do all these things. You should be able to trust them to actually get their work done as well. Talking about colleges, I teach um, at Cal State Long Beach right now. And it's one of the things that is interesting is um, you see both um, aspects of it where when students are on and their cameras are on and they're really like enjoying the conversation and they're attempting and you know they chat with everybody on the side and they you know they raise their hand and they converse and then you also have and I think this is part of the conversation that um, you know companies have and um, and you also have the group that kind of, you know, turn it on and um, they're not necessarily engaging with you, but they're engaging somewhere else, something else. And then once in a while they hear your their name or something they get interested in, they come in and connect and go, or sometimes they're driving and, you know, they're moving around and they're listening. And I think it's, it's interesting where the openness of the structure allows for so much more richness and then yet it might not because of the person who they get distracted or they're not going to be completely there. So it's interesting. A couple of things I'm hearing from you. One is um, honor our own time and space and the way our brain works and our timing works Two, honor the structure that we need to do the best that we can do and move forward with it. Now, shifting it into a company where, for example, like for me as a as a professor, where I have to manage all the characters because at the end there has to be some system. So from my perspective, it's yes, it is an individualistic concept, but what kind of a system can I create where it engages everybody with mm -hmm. their own individuality and their style? And how do companies who are attempting to 
either do this side by side where some people are working you know remotely some people are still working in them uh, some of their employees are actually in brick and mortar still or some companies which do hybrid which is a couple of days at home and a couple of days at work um, and then we have companies who've structured it specifically there is no brick and mortar there's just remote work. And I heard sometimes like they'll come in every three months or every year to a convention center, to a hotel, everybody comes in, meets each other and moves on again. And what are your suggestions about um, the, the, you know, the administrator, let's say, that is trying to create this kind of a system? Yeah, I love that you bring that up. And so <laughs> when we created or decided on the tagline of our book, we said managing for freedom, flexibility, and focus. And we thought managing was really important because everything's a balance, right? And everything's on a spectrum. And so if you had pure freedom and nothing else to bring it in or bring it back to the organization, you would have people going in all different types of directions, right? And so it's really important to be very intentional when it comes to remote work and setting things up from the beginning. So some things that we really recommend doing is first get to know yourself. Uh, we have this like really fun kind of Mad Libs that we do uh, with organizations where you can kind of just, I'll read off a couple of them that I have it here. Um, but I think it's just fun to start thinking about your own work style preferences. Cause you, we all assume we have different preferences, but until you reflect on it and you've answered some questions and you've reminisced on it, you actually sometimes don't even know them consciously. So for example, um, you might want to name, like, I believe that a good manager is adjective, adjective, adjective. The best manager I ever had was blank. The worst manager I ever had was blank. And here's why there was a lot of tension. Um, you know, you might have things on, I like to build trust this way. My trust is broken when this happens. Um, I like meetings that are blank, blank, and blank. I prefer, prefer meetings that are prepared by doing blank. Uh, I feel happy when my work is done this way. I feel disappointed or surprised when it's done this way. If I had a magic wand, one thing I change about work would be blank. And so by starting to ask those questions, you're starting to like understand what makes you tick in the work environment. And so we recommend actually, if you are a manager, you're going to want to codify a lot of that information. Uh, you're not going to be able to pick it up as easily as you can in an office. When you're watching somebody eight hours a day, you will naturally, through body language and being human, and this is how we've you know, lived forever, uh, you would naturally pick that up in the office. And instead, when you're working remotely, you have to start codifying those. So we recommend this concept called a user guide. So imagine you get a new appliance. I just bought a bread machine. And so that's my new appliance. And I have instructions of how to use it. So last night I made sweet bread and I decided, hey, I want it to be um, uh, light roast. I want it to be one and a half pounds. It said to follow these instructions. And, um, you know, it was important for me to read those because if I had not read those, I could have just like put a bunch of flour in there and broken the machine or not known what to do. And I think it's the same with an individual. We assume like you have these, everybody's so similar and different at the same time, which is one of the paradoxes of being human. Um, but you have all these people that are joining a team and some might be really introverted. Some might be much more extroverted. Some people might be morning people. Some people might be night people. Some people might actually have had really poor work experiences before and have a lot of fears that come up with certain management styles. Uh, there'll be some people that have worked remotely before. Some people that have never worked remotely in their lives. Some people, this might be their first job. Some people may have been working at this company for 15 years. So all of that information, you have people coming in with totally different frames of references, what work looks like, what they care about. And unless you actually define those and uncover those, people will not know. And so just like I got this bread machine, I we recommend actually having a user guide for everybody on your team and they can answer a set of questions. And so then you can put it in some type of knowledge center that anybody can look at. And so let's say that we're, we're doing a project together and I find out something about you. I can then cater, you know, how I structure meetings based on that. Or if you're a team manager and you see, okay, so it looks like, um, we have people that, you know, have young kids and a lot of them are picking up from school. I probably should not be scheduling our stand down meeting at 4 p.m. every day. Right. That might be an example. 
And so the more you can do that, the more you as a manager can understand who's on your team and create those processes and that structure that will aid people to work well together. Beautiful. Um, I want everybody to see this. Remote works. Managing for Freedom, Flexibility and Focus by um, Ali Green and Tamara Sanderson. This um, And it's been forwarded by Matt um, Mullenweg co-founder of WordPress and CEO of Automatic. Um, so when you were talking about remote work, what are some of the, um, is there, because right now as we're sharing, we're talking a lot about more individual bases and people knowing. Have you found in your work and research um, that there are, structures that might work better for remote work versus um, brick and mortar being in, in actually, you know, nine to five or all of that? Yeah. So what we have found, we partnered with an organization that just put out the Flex Index. And so they did this whole comprehensive study of like a hundred million employees, thousands of companies, and they ranked them, not ranked them, but they um, categorized them based on fully flexible, completely remote to fully in office. And when we were going through the data, we noticed that actually fully 100% remote companies are often smaller. So I think on average, they were like 150 employees. They're much more on the SME side. There's certain industries that are more targeted towards remote work. So as you can imagine, technology, that is definitely an industry. I think like financial services or a couple other ones that were more um, naturally suited to remote work. But even with that, we were finding things that, you know, industries like food and beverage or healthcare that we imagine are more brick and mortar in person. There's aspects of all of those industries that can be done partially remotely. And I think it's really interesting specifically seeing what's going on in the healthcare space. Cause you mentioned that you used to have clients that would only see you in person, right? Uh, I'm a, a fellow at Massachusetts Institute of Psychoanalysis. And so I'm one of the only non-therapists in the group. And most people are therapists or social workers. And it's really fascinating because they have seen this huge shift that did not exist five years beforehand. And now a lot of clients would prefer to talk to them on the phone or to, um, you know, meet on some type of you know, video conferencing. And that has just completely shifted. And some of it is just, it's more important for people to see a consistent therapist versus try and switch it, especially if they've moved locations. And a lot of people made housing choices during the pandemic. Um, but even with healthcare, I talked to a friend and he is an ER doctor. And he was telling me there's a lot of stuff that is being done with scans and x-rays and a lot of things that are behind the scenes that are being done remotely that are then given to the doctors that might be in person. And so he said, you could take a lot of different parts of the workflow and then distribute it to different places so that it can be done a lot more efficiently. And so I just thought that was interesting is these professions that you thought would never be remote was kind of forced to during the pandemic. Um, another example would be my mother. She has leukemia. And so she does, she sees a lot of her doctors online and then she'll get her blood taken in person, but she doesn't necessarily have to have those happen at the same time. She can get her blood taken at, you know, a place that's five minutes away, and then she can meet with the doctor online when it best suits her. And so I think there's just like a lot of innovation that's going on in that space. So I think there are, you know, different companies that are better set up for remote than other ones. I think a lot of things depend on what culture you already had. Um, as somebody that previously worked at Google, that has a huge in-person culture. Um, Larry and Sergey specifically designed it so that it looked like Stanford. And that was their goal. They wanted to look like college. And we had volleyball courts and swimming pools and we wore t-shirts and people, I mean, people used to juggle around campus a lot. That was a thing. And so with a culture like that, it was really beautiful and it was really unique. And it was something that was started a whole tech culture after that model that was working for Google. So I actually think that becomes a lot more complicated to shift when you've made huge real estate investments and you have created a culture that's been around for over 20 years. That's very specific to in-person location. I still think there's a lot of room to make that hybrid, but I do think it comes with its own set of challenges because so much of remote is just behavior change. 
And behavior change is really hard if you have people that are very used to working in a specific way and they believe that is the right way to work. But as you were talking, it also dawned on me that um, this works a lot also with individualistic cultures, such as, you know, Western cultures. And uh, the same way it may take um, a lot more shift when it comes into cultures that are a little bit more hierarchical and they need to be, you know, they're more social cultures and they need to be around each other in order to create that whole dynamic. But ultimately, it seems like as technology grows and allows, then obviously people are going to start using technology when it's suited for them and it makes life easier for them. It's just that what pandemic did force them into that arena where a lot of times when people are set a particular way they have to see a lot of benefit before they will voluntarily change and switch from one mode to another um and pandemic kind of forced them into that and then suddenly was like oh how bad (laughs) (laughs) oh hey i got this i can do this yeah it's um i find it really funny because Okay, there's this concept I'm sure you've heard of asynchronous communication. We have a chapter that's called ABCs, async before calls. A lot of making remote actually work requires moving a lot of your communication to asynchronous. If you want to have that freedom and flexibility of not being in your chair for eight hours at the exact same time all over the world. And that is very difficult if you have somebody that's in the US and somebody's in Japan. That's not a great time zone overlap for two people to be online for eight hours and people are like oh what's asynchronous communication asynchronous is kind of like um i don't know it it sounds like bandwidth or like jargony that has like a slight i don't know technology spin to it but we were all doing asynchronous communication before the pandemic if you have watched a youtube video the person that created that youtube video put it on at a very different time than you're actually watching it so for example it is february 20th right now and we are talking And whoever is watching this now, it is not February 20th anymore. So this is asynchronous communication because we have recorded it at a different time than somebody's watching it. Anytime that you're on Facebook or reading news or watching a TikTok, all of that is asynchronous communication because whoever created that content, it's different than the time that you're actually commenting on it. And so we had all these skills that we just didn't know that we had them before we started putting it in place in remote work. And so I always encourage people, imagine how you're communicating using technology in your normal life. Take a look at anybody that is 18. Take a look at it. I I live in Cambridge um, and it's a college town. So MIT and Harvard are really close to me. I see a lot of college kids. They're way more proficient at technology than I am. Just take a look at what they're doing and see how you can incorporate that into work. So, you know, you don't always... For example, have to have everybody sit down and listen to the manager explain something for an hour. You could create a loom, which is a very kind of short little video. You can have a presentation behind it. And once people have watched it on Slack, you can have them put an emoji so that you know everybody has seen it and given an update. So there's ways that you can have that check-in to ensure that people have received it, that they're communicating back, but not everybody has to be sitting at the exact same time for an hour watching something. Uh, And I know a lot of people that are kind of remote work experts, what they love to do is have a video and then they watch it at, you know, 1.5 X speed, or they have um, a talk and rather than watching it live while sitting, they watch it later and actually they're just listening to it like it's podcast and they go for a walk and they're taking it in and they're able to focus a lot more than if they were watching it all synchronously at the exact same time. I think naturally I've seen a lot of this um, I teach uh, therapists uh, workshops and uh, sometimes they're like, you know, the whole Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it's difficult for people who have family and we have people from around the world, you know, US, Canada, um, Australia, everywhere. I had one uh, from in Middle East where our time was their evening. So it was interesting that everybody, we were recording it. So everybody who could attend they were attending in the hours that they could attend. And at the same night, they were going to get the recording and they could just listen to the rest of it and be a part of it and then show up the next day uh, prepared because they had already listened to it in their own time and showed up again, having that knowledge uh, moving forward. 
Um, I'm also at Harvard right now where um, in the class that I am, it's interesting where the class has all three. So there's um, actual class happening at Harvard. Then there's all these remote that I from California, I'm at the same class with Zoom. And then it's recorded. So for example, last week where I was presenting, I could not be at the class. Uh, in the evening, I went back and viewed the uh, the recording of the class. And then we do discussions, which are again, connecting all of us together. The combination of all of these groups, the people who are actually sitting in the class, the people who are Zoom or just sometimes viewing and not even being at a Zoom at all. And it connects all of these groups in the combination also. So yes, there's so many different ways of bringing people together and doing the same projects, the same concepts with whatever works for people. Yeah, I love whatever works, right? And um, I'm curious, when you have those discussions, are they live discussions or are they on some type of forum when you have all the different people from class come together? Well, when if you are at the same hour, um, the discussions are between the people who are in the class and they go back into the Zoom. So this this huge Zoom monitor, which each one each person can raise their hand in the Zoom, and there's also people in the class. So they go in around, and then when it's the um, when it's um, going into groups, uh, the camera stays in the class with one of the groups so that you can oh. see what happens in the group. And then each one on the Zoom goes in their own groups, team, you know, in their own room, a little room. Yeah. And they do this teamwork of a group work of like three or four people in each team uh, group, and then we all come back. So if you're watching it um, later, then you're part of watching all that's happening. And you can also get to go through the discussion and see what it was and and kind of share what you, you're thinking and also be a part of the group in a sense that was, was sharing. And then there's also the discussions where everybody can read each other's discussion, comment on each other's discussion, and they're all like united somehow. So within a week, everybody's somehow united in this. I love that's like a perfect example. And it's so experimental. What I love about that is nobody knew from like a pedagogy point of view, like exactly what works. Instead, they're trying all these new models and seeing how they can be intentional, make sure that people incl feel included and belong, making sure that there's some type of facilitation that you get people engaged, but that can happen in a lot of different um, modules and different modes of conversation. So I think that's really, I love just witnessing when people are being really creative and how they're engaging everybody. Cause I'm like, that's that's what remote work is. Nobody knows what we're going to. What's exciting is that it's time for change. Uh, I used to love uh, when I was in a high school, the movie Office Space came out. I don't know if you remember that with like the PC low letter and people are like hitting the fax machine. Um, but we have a time that like that doesn't have to exist anymore. We have so many, so much like, I don't know, room to create and move and change how we we learn and how we build together and how we ideate together. And I just think it's really an exciting time just because I, I think I tend to like change and ideas. So I'm very naturally personality wise suited towards it, but I think it's really exciting. I do think though, that it takes personalities that are getting, that are curious and love change and, you know, uh, they don't get scared of change. Obviously there's uncomfortableness because you have to relearn things and completely adapt to a whole model. I think for people who um, are a little bit resistant to change, they get comfortable and safe with a, you know, a, a particular parameter that they've always done the work. And usually it's at the beginning, it's resisting it, denying it, no, I don't want it. And it's like for that group, do you have any suggestions in how they can ease into this change and kind of allow themselves to choose it versus feeling like it's being forced upon them, but slowly but surely choose what they can and how they can adapt to this concept. Yeah. So um, for our book, we interviewed 35 
remote experts. And then Allie and I came from remote backgrounds. So I came from Automatic, which used to be the one of the largest all remote companies before the pandemic, which is WordPress and Tumblr and companies like that. And she came from DuckDuckGo. And we actually were always, she came from DuckDuckGo, which is a very privacy first search engine. I came from Google, which is maybe the opposite <laughs> where you have a lot of information on people. So sometimes we have some like different frames of reference there, but anyways, um, we interviewed this great well, woman. I, love huh? hear, I said, I love to hear those discussions between. <laughs> she's always like, I'm like, Oh, it's great. Like, and she's like, we should be really, really careful about. Yeah. So we, there's a little bit of good cop, bad cop on it. So, um, it's great. It's, we work, we're, we have very complementary personalities with very similar visions and different strengths, which actually I think makes our product stronger. Uh, but we interviewed this woman, Darcy. And so um, she worked at several different companies, but when she first started working remotely and now she's a remote expert and she consults on it. She's like, um, she's a part-time head of remote for a company. It's her jam. It's her bread and butter. She speaks on it. Right. But when she first started, it took her two years before she was comfortable taking a walk in the middle of the day. And then eventually she graduated to like one day seeing a matinee movie and feeling like it was okay. And she wasn't letting everybody down and the world wouldn't collapse. And she was also inter um, managing somebody that had come from an incredibly strict work environment. And even though they were online, the person pinged her and was like, can I go to the bathroom? And like this person had been so used to being in a work environment that they couldn't leave their desk unless they got permission to go to the bathroom. Um, and so what Darcy recommends and which I um, echo what she says is just do one little thing. Just try one small thing you can do to feel like you have a little bit more autonomy at work. Cause um, it's essentially when you start leaning into that autonomy, that freedom, that flexibility, that you really see why remote work is different and how it can really help your life. And so you could do something really small. So for example, as we talked about earlier, you can only pay attention for so long at so much, you know, for so much time. Some people like the Pomodoro technique where you do 25 minutes of work and you take a five minute break, things of that sort. But if you are, let's say you're working from your house, one really easy thing to do is say, Hey, I'm going to take a five minute break. I'm just going to put some dishes in the dishwasher. I'm going to take a five minute break. I'm going to put my laundry in the laundry machine. And by doing something like that, it's very small. You can go back to your computer. You can still feel safe. Nothing's going to happen in five minutes. You can still be at your computer. You can still be at your phone, but you're noticing you're starting to integrate personal and work. You're starting to take advantage of being remote. You're starting to integrate and something as small as that can start creating that behavior. And the behavior is not that you no longer do work, but like it's really leaning into the fact that if you are working during your best hours and you're able to fully focus, you can do things so much faster. There was this great McKinsey study of executives and they said that they're actually five times more effective during their peak hours. So if you really like step back from that stat, it means if you had the same task, it could take you five hours to complete it or one hour depending if you did it at the right time of day when you could actually focus. And then with this McKinsey study, they found that only 5% of executives were using their best peak hours for important work. And instead they were just doing whatever during that time. And so that's what I really suggest people lean into. It's not, okay, now you get to do your laundry and vacuum all day instead of doing your work. It's really saying, hey, all of a sudden you don't have to pretend that you're working at your desk because nobody can fully work eight hours straight realistically, especially at a desk job and anything that they've done studies before people were actually only doing three hours of legitimate work during that time anyways. And also there's this whole thing that Asana does a report on called work about work. And there's so much work that we do that's actually duplicative or unnecessary. So imagine pinging somebody again for a report or missing a document and you can't find it or being in a meeting that actually you never spoke the entire time and you don't even know why you're there, but somebody invited you to it. It's all these things that don't necessarily need to happen. And so I really think you start having the autonomy and the capacity and uh, the independence to say, this is what matters. These are my most important tasks. I'm going to really like 
get all this great work done. I'm going to feel great about myself that I'm doing all this awesome work and I'm going to do it in less time and be more focused when I do it. And then when you need that natural break and you need to, you know, like move your body or, you know, get a change of scene, you can do that. And it doesn't have to be, your change of scene doesn't have to be like scrolling the internet at your cubicle. It can be take a walk and then come back and then do something else or change a location. You could work from your desk and then, Maybe you work from a park or you work from the library or you're picking up your kids from school and you take a call. Like there's a lot of ways that you can start rethinking how you schedule your time. Wonderful. Remote works, everybody. Managing for freedom, flexibility, and focus by uh, Tamara Sanderson and Allie Green. Tam, um, anything we haven't said that you really want people to know? Um, this has been a lot of fun. I, if anybody has kind of questions, I'm on LinkedIn, feel free to ping me. I love just talking about the subject and also seeing people's like what's happening live in their work situation. Cause there's a million ways that people do work. There's so much complexities and intricacies to how people were working. So, um, if you have comments, if you have thoughts, uh, feel free to reach out on LinkedIn. I would love to just hear how your remote work life is going. And where can they, um, find the book? anywhere? Yeah. So, um, definitely, obviously amazon.com. You can definitely find it there. We're distributed through penguin random house. So it's available internationally. It's at Barnes and nobles. It's at different indie booksellers. It should be in certain bookstores. So it's all over the place. And we also have a website remoteworksbook.com that you can check out. And one other thing I'll plug is if you are an HR decision maker, or you do L and D for an organization, you're like, we need some solid remote work training, but we don't want to pay a bazillion dollars to do that. Uh, our book, I think, is a great option. It's incredibly interactive. There's tons of exercises and quizzes. There's reflection questions. There's tons of case studies. So you could actually have a team go through the book as if it's a training together, kind of like a book club. And you could have them go from point A to point Z so that they can fully work remotely together. So that's one recommendation. And there's huge discounts if you buy in bulk. Beautiful. Thank you so much for taking the time and being with us. Yeah, thank you. This was great. And for all of you who are out there, create an amazing life for yourself and everyone around you. And until then, <laughs> bye-bye. Eliminate stress, reduce anxiety, and decrease depression. Dr. Fujian Zane's Awareness Integration Theory has helped thousands like you get incredible life-changing results. The Fujian app gives you her evidence-based treatment in the palm of your hand. Download today.